Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. I just felt this morning, um, God is good, and uh, when I bring the word this morning, it's not someone that's has got it all together, <laughs> and uh, but I'm just just someone that's just doing this journey called life, just like you. And uh, this morning I'm going to be talking about the love and grace of God that's found in Christ Jesus. Before I want to do that, I just want to say, this morning in praise and worship, I was looking at Bruce Worrell, and I was just looking at him here, rocking away. He's got the guitar in the right angle, strumming away. I'm saying, Bruce, I'm going to miss you, buddy, when you, when you head off. And you too, um, Sharon. But uh, just that picture of Bruce up there is going to be in my mind for, for a while. And Kai, welcome back, buddy, wherever you are, Kai. It's good to have you back. Seeing you there rocking away on the base. Isn't our church family good? That uh, people can go and they come back and it's, you know, we're here as a family. Uh, welcome to Brian and Robin. Love to thank you for being here this morning. They were uh, pastors down in Batemans Bay, now up in uh, Port Stephens. And uh, I want to say a lovely welcome to you this morning. You know, this morning they, they put the pressure on me. They said, this morning we've come to church to hear from God. I'm thinking, oh man, the pressure's on now. <laughs> so uh, I hope that uh, you have a great day this morning. So the love and grace of God is found in Christ. So in the morning series, we've been doing the In Christ series, and Sue's kicked it off a couple of weeks ago. And uh, she outlined what it was to be in Christ. And we saw that to be in Christ was to be in the anointed one, to be with, with Christ, to be within and to have God and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, within us. And Alex last week continued. It was a great message. And he continued on the redemption and salvation of God. And I'm going to sum up, sum up in my own words, just two principal keys. Alex, I hope I'm going to sum up right, buddy. <laughs> but God just doesn't, when we come to God, He just doesn't clean us up, you know, wash us down and, and pat you on the back and say, okay, off you go again. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great work that's done. There is a great work that is done through Jesus. We are born again. We are a new creation. A heart of stone is to turn into a heart of flesh. And the second thing was that Jesus atoned for our sins on the cross. And through that, our joy comes not because of what he's done, but because we have relationship. And Alex gave the example of the reason why we want to be in relationship is not because of what we get, but because that we can be in relationship. And those were the two key things I got from last week. And today we're going to cover the love and grace of God. It's our third, third topic of the series. So right from the outset, I want to ask you all, where are you searching for love and grace? Where are you searching for love and grace? I'm not talking about the love where it's like, I love chocolate, <laughs> or I love Australia, I love my car. I'm talking about the, the love that satisfies for eternity. There's contentment, there's fulfillment. It's the, 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 the love that's called the agape love in the Bible. The love that I'm talking about this morning is the love and grace that is only satisfied in Christ. So this morning, we're going to look at the love and grace through the eyes of Jesus. 
going to have three key principles that we'll have. And then I'm going to go over a parable. And it's a well-known parable that Jesus gave us. And that'll show us how Jesus viewed love and grace. So where are you searching for love and grace? Is it in a sense of community, a sense of belonging? Is it in friendship? Is it in your local club, bowling club, footy club? Is it in career progression? Is it in status? Where are you searching for love? The love and grace that's satisfied is only found in Christ. So firstly, the first key principle today is this. God is love. It's a very key principle that we believe as, as a church. God is love. And I want to read to you from 1 John 4, 17, uh, 7. And it says this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. We learned that what that was last week. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Let me read that again. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in Him. That's got to be one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible. Whoever abides in love abides in God. God is love. God is love. God is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, some people would say, how boring. <laughs> Being the same today, yesterday, forever. But if you say that, I'd say, maybe you haven't grasped how big, how awesome, and how great our God is. That there is so much to learn. There is so much of God to, to know and to understand that forever we'll be coming to know our God in such a bigger and better way. That when we say God is the same, it's not in a, a boring way. It's God is so awesome. He's so big. He's so great. There's so many aspects that we haven't even come into knowledge of yet. But yet, He never changes. 
no matter what we go through life, things in our lives change, but God never changes. God is love. His love never changes. God's love is steadfast. Or in other translations, God's love is unfailing. Why? God cannot fail. Otherwise, he wouldn't be God. If God failed, <laughs> he wouldn't be God. What Jesus did on the cross, we, we sung it today about his unfailing love. God cannot fail. God's steadfast love is mentioned over in Psalms 120 times. And just two examples I had today. Psalm 13. But I have trusted it in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your, in your salvation. Psalm 25. Show me in the right path, O Lord. Pour out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and steadfast love, which you have shown from the long ages past. This is the uh, David speaking. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your steadfast love, for you are merciful, O Lord. God's love is unchanging. His love is steadfast. His love is unfailing. Sometimes we can experience ups and downs with love. But that is from our perspective. From God, His love never changes. His love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Romans 8.35 says this, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, For your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from love of God. Neither death nor life. Neither angels or demons. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. <laughs> Not even our fears. Our worries. Things that are in our mind. Things that are intangible. Some of our fears are intangible. Fear always projects into the future because of past experiences. Even those things cannot separate us from God's love. God's love is steadfast. If you've confessed Jesus as your Lord, the Spirit of God is within you. So no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, nothing can take that away. Nothing. There is no fear in that. I love it how we can come into church and we can just drive from home and it's a safe place. It's a safe environment for us here. <laughs> and God's Spirit's here. 
And we have the freedom that a lot of countries don't have, a lot of Christians in other countries don't have. And I pray that we never take that for granted. Where are you searching for love and grace? Is it in relationships and friendships? Is it in things that ultimately bring us trouble? Things that can be separated from us? Is it in things that can cause us to fear and worry? A love and grace that satisfies is found in Christ. If there's a memory verse that you want to take away from today, it's that one there. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Romans 8, 38. And if, if you can't remember Romans 8, 38, just this saying, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Which leads us on to the second principle. And so how does God show us his love? Well, God proved his love by giving of himself in Jesus. 1 John 4.10 says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Last week we learned that propitiation means to appease or to conciliate somebody or something. It's something God initiates. The love of God always gives. It doesn't take. It gives. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Godly love gives. It doesn't take. It doesn't suck the life out of you. Ephesians 2 says, But God, Ephesians 2 verse 4, 4, But God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses or dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. It's by grace that you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I read that and I thought... What does it mean to sit in heavenly places? You know, I had a picture of sitting on a cloud somewhere, <laughs> floating by. I think there's a bit more to it than that. We know that when Jesus died and rose again, he, was, he, he rose up to heaven, went to heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God. What that means to me is that we need to sit in the finished work of Jesus. When we sit in the heavenly places, we're resting in the finished work that Jesus did for us on the cross. There is nothing that we can do, nothing more we can do to earn God's love because it's by His grace. It's by His grace that we've been saved. And so that when we believe in faith, we sit and rest in the love that God lavished on us through Jesus. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, 
we have peace with God to our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoiced in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, they thought that perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. And here's the bit, here's the, the kicker. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Where are you searching for love and grace? Is it in possessions? Are you even too weak to search for his love? A love and grace that's satisfied is found in Christ. There is nothing we can do except open up our arms and say, God, it's by your grace. God, I need you. Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I need your love and grace. The third principle. Christ set us free from sin through his death and resurrection. And Alex covered this more than adequately last week. So I'm not going to go over it again. But just two scriptures. Romans 8, 1-2. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of spiritual life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. In Romans 3, 23-24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified fully by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Where are you searching for love and grace? Is it through your works? Do you think that love and grace will happen because you do good things? God loves us. He puts his spirit on the inside of us. We then go and do good things. Where are you searching for love and grace? The love and grace that's satisfied is found in Christ. So there's three key principles that are just at the foundation. But today I really wanted to focus on a parable. And it's a parable that we all know. It's a parable of the, the prodigal son. And it's about a father and two, two sons. And we often focus on the, the younger son that goes away and does what he did and but we're also going to look at the older son that stays behind and, and just pull out some key principles so we're going to read it this morning I'm going to read the whole parable so just to, if anyone doesn't know it we're going to read it together and he said this is Jesus speaking and he said there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father father give me the share of property that is coming to me and he divided his property between them not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered, squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. 
So when he hired himself out to, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, "How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger." I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was a still long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this was my son, was dead, and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf. Because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. And But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And that and all that is mine is yours. It was feeling to, fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. There are some keys in this parable that I want to pull out this morning. And I believe this parable shows us the way Jesus perceived love and grace. So I'm just going to go back to the parable and just pull out things from time to time. So from verse 11, And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. I read that, I'm thinking, what a brat. <laughs> Here your, your parent is alive still. Like, I'm going to use an example. Leo, my father-in-law down the back here. Leo. You're a good bloke, and uh, it's about 20 years ago I asked for you, asked your permission to uh, marry Suzanne, and even if you said no, I was still going to marry her anyway. <laughs> and I know where you live, and I've got a rough idea how much you're worth. Can you just hurry up and roll over? <laughs> I want my inheritance. I want my property. He's not saying anything, is he? <laughs> Can you imagine? Don't smile, Lena. You're part of the family too. <laughs> give me what is give me what is mine. My inheritance. Get a feeling what this young kid was, the place he was at. 
I don't care about you, Dad. I don't care about you, Father. Just give me what is mine. Sometimes when I read this, I'm, I'm taken back to the Garden of Eden where the serpent talks to Eve and there's this dialogue happening between Eve and the serpent. And the serpent is saying, you can have it all. You can be as wise as God. You can be like God. Are you sure he told you that? Are you sure he really meant that? I mean, come on. You can have it. And what did Eve do? Suzanne and I were talking about this the other day. Eve had it so good. <laughs> Why? Why? It's the thought that oh, I can be like God. I want it now. I want to have it just like God. I want to have the wisdom. I want to have everything that goes with it. It's not so much taking of the fruit. I mean, what was Eve talking to a snake anyway? If I saw, the only good snake is a dead snake. <laughs> and if a snake talks to me, I'm thinking, uh, am I thinking right? Am I, <laughs> do I need medication or something? <laughs> It's not so much the act of taking food, but it's the intent or the desire that you want to be like God. This is the great lie that started in the Garden of Eden, and it continues today. Life is all about me. You, you are God. You don't worry about anyone else. You just look out for you. The young man, in his own way, is, is saying he wished his dad was dead. Give me the money now. I want to live the way I want to live. You've got, you've got this property. You've got this farm. I don't care about what you've given me here, Father. Just give it to me. I know better than you. I'm just as important as you. I hope that gives you a sense of the state this, this young guy was in. I so said, what does the father do? And he divided his property between them. I mean, if that was me, if James came up to me and said, when I'm getting on in years and said, Dad, I want my inheritance now, I, I'd give him a piece of my mind. <laughs> I wouldn't divide up my property and give it to him. <laughs> If you listen to this podcast later, James, in life, you better believe it. <laughs> Not many days later, the young younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a faraway country. Again, the young son, I don't want to be near you. Just give it to me and I'm going to go. I want to live on my own terms. I don't care about the life you've given me. Know that the father divided the property. Even though he was treated this way by his son, the father still loved and gave. Remember that the father in this parable represents God the Father. 
he gave. It's a love that gives. He didn't just say, son, grow up. You're too young. You're not wise enough to do, know what to do with all this. So the son goes away, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine rose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country, and then he went and fed the pigs and wanted to eat what the pigs had. And funnily enough, all the people that were with him when he had money and all good times, no one was there now to give him anything. So he was a son who had a father who loved him. We know this because we know what happens in the end. And there was a father who had some degree of wealth because we know the father had servants. We know he had a property that he was able to divide up and give. So he was a son that had a, de- a degree of heritage, a degree of wealth. Yeah, but here he was now as a slave with no one by his side. That's the great lie. <laughs> you can have it all. You can be as your father. You can have the same as your father. But in the end, it leads to destruction. God's love always gives. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. There's something about being at a point in life where you realize you're in need of forgiveness. You're in need of a saviour. When you're at that place in life where you say, I've got to go to God. I've got to go. I've got to go. That is a good place. Often when I say to people, if you're in a place where you're questioning, but yet that turns you back to God, that is a good place. Because when you question yourself and that forces you to go, don't be afraid of the questions. But make sure you go. The son said, I will arise and go. God, I've sinned against you. I'm happy to just be one of your servants and slaves. And so we know that when he was a long way off, his father saw him. He came back, hugged him, kissed him, embraced him. His son said, Father, I've I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. But his father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. Give him jewelry. Give him, let's kill the fattened calf. He was lost, but now he's found, and they had a party. The son had squandered everything. He'd wasted, he'd wasted what had been given to him. But yet here was the father again, giving love. His father had built up this inheritance for his son, and his son had just wasted it, squandered it. 
And yet here he was again, his son coming down the road. And his father's here waiting to just embrace him. That's the same love that Father has for you and I. Doesn't matter where you go or what you have done. When you say, I will arise and go back, there is a Father there waiting for you to embrace you, to love you, to give you what He has again. The love of God never changes. And you notice how he said, my son was dead, but now he's alive. His son wasn't dead. He was dead spiritually. You can be alive, but dead spiritually. This parable shows us how Jesus views grace. Even though we sin, wish we were as God, and yet realize that we are not worthy, God in his compassion and love calls us his sons and daughters yes we were not worthy to be in his presence but God who is rich in his mercy because of his great love and which he loved us that even though when we were dead in sin made us alive together with Christ sometimes we can waste what God gives us but when we repent and turn back there is love and grace ready to run and embrace us again some people believe that they're not worthy. What Jesus is showing us here today in this parable, that's not how Jesus thinks. That's not how God thinks. We may feel like we're not worthy because of what we've done. But God's there with open arms, waiting to embrace So that's the younger son. Now for the older son. I had fun prepping this bit yesterday because I thought this can be a bit like Christians, the older son. Now his older son was in the field. Good, good old faithful son. <laughs> the young son's gone away. He's grabbed the money, taken off. And here's the faithful son. Still at home. Still working with his dad. Just watched his younger son go away with inheritance. The younger son was now back. I'm back. Can you imagine what the older son thought? He hadn't seen the younger son come back, so he hadn't witnessed the, the father come out. He hadn't witnessed, witnessed the father come out and embrace him and hug him and give him the robe and, and the jewelry and the start the party. And so he was out and he, he heard the commotion. He heard the... The, the dancing and singing and, and whatever. It says, And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, 
because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. He's probably thinking, you've, you've been given your inheritance. You've come back and now you get the best robe. You get the ring. You get the fattened calf. That's mine. He's angry. <laughs> He's his, and I've been faithful, done everything right. You just come back like nothing's happening. To paint a picture, there's a party going on inside the house. Inside the house, there's celebrations. The father's so happy that his youngest son has come back. And here's the oldest son, part of the family. He's angry, but he's waiting on the outside of the house. Back in the day, when this family had servants and slaves, and back in the day, the slaves would, would and the servants, or the slaves would hang on outside of the house when there's a celebration happening, and they would wait for the for the leftovers. And so the oldest son is hanging outside on the veranda or porch if they had one, he's, he's hanging around with the slaves, with the servants outside the house. He's not with the family and the guests inside celebrating. Why? He's the son who had everything. But yet he's acting like he's a slave. He's hanging out with the slaves outside the house. Why do you think he's doing that? His father came out and entreated him. To entreat means to plead, to ask, to, requ to request, to implore. Here's a father who still sees his older son, his elder son, through compassion. The father seeks not only those who are lost, also those who are close by. Those who are still doing good, still being obedient, but yet for some reason are not walking into the fullness. For whatever reason, they're hanging on the outside. So his father entreats him. But the eldest son answered his father, said, Look, these many years I've served you, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours come, came, he has devoured your property with prostitutes and killed the fattened calf for him. You notice he couldn't even call his, his brother and brother. He had to say, It's your son. <laughs> He's that mad with him. He's discontented with the youngest. He's angry, he's confused. Dad, I've always done what you've asked me to do. I've always obeyed. I've always been faithful. And now look what you're doing. When I read that, I see the law. 
sometimes it's so easy. It's e well, it's easier to think. I do this, I get that. I do this, I get that. I do good, I get rewarded. I disobey, I get punished. In some regards, it, it's the way we're brought up as kids and the, how we learn life. And I get the feeling that's how the younger, so the elder brother was. He was a, a, a guy that was bound by, if I do this, I'll get that. I've been faithful, I'll get my inheritance. I'll do good, I'll get my inheritance. He's done bad, why is he getting my inheritance? No wonder he was angry. All these concepts of right and wrong were being thrown out the window. I've got to say this. Grace always wins over law. In Romans 8, it says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For it is by grace that you have been saved and are in right relationship with the Father. Yes, there is a process of sanctification and redemption. And yes, we choose to, to go God's way when we're tempted to go otherwise. Yes, there's a part for us to play in being a Christian. But in the essence, God's love through his grace is not dependent on I've done this I get that and so his father applies to the elder son and he says to him son you are always with me and all that is mine is yours now here's the point in the parable where the father could have addressed the attitude of the eldest son. The father could have said, Son, get over it. Your younger son, your younger brother is here. Be happy with me. But what does he do? He speaks the truth. And the truth is, Son, you're always with me. I don't know if you get it, but when I read that, that is God saying to us, I'm always with you. No matter what has happened, no matter what you have done, I am always with you. All that is mine is yours. No matter what the eldest son could do, whether good or bad, 
His Father was always there. Father God is always there. It is us that choose to walk away. All that he has was his. The word son there means little boy. But it's not in a belittling sense. It's in an endearing term. It's like, my son, my, my child, my little boy. Come on. You're always with me. As Alex said last week, the wonder of all is not because of what God has done, which we are eternally grateful. It's because we can be with God. I can be with. I am with you. You're with me. Your spirit is in me. What was the truth? You're always with me, just to be with his Father. All that the Father had was his. Yet he was acting like he was one of the slaves hanging outside the house. The Father had proven that all he had was his because he had given the inheritance to the younger son earlier. So he'd proven that he was going to get it anyway. But he was the oldest son still acting that by his good works and by his obedience he would obtain the inheritance. And the final verse of the parable. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The younger brother wasn't dead physically. He wasn't lost geographically. Spiritually. He was dead. Spiritually he was lost. Paul wrote in Philippians 3. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that it depends on faith. Where are you searching for love and grace? Is it through your good works? So that's the parable I just wanted to share with you today. And just to finish off, I just wonder, well, how are we going to apply this to our lives? What does this mean to us here today? It's a parable, so we know that the principles of a parable last for eternity. So just some key principles out of this parable. Don't be like the youngest son who sought to be like God. We were formed by God's hand. Each day is a gift. Each day is a gift from God. Who, when they wake up, says, Yet I'm awake, it's because I've made my lungs go in and out. My heart's pumping because I say so. God is the giver of life. We believe in it as a church. But also know this, that when there is sin, there is a loving Father there waiting to embrace, arms open wide, ready to put the robe back on, ready to put the ring back on the finger, ready to put shoes on your feet, ready to give of His love. Don't be like the eldest son who refused to walk through the door. Don't stay on the veranda with the slaves. There's a celebration going on inside the house. Good works will not open the door for us. 
It is the love and grace that comes through Christ that will open the door. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And again in John 10, Jesus said, Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. When I read that, I don't get a sense of being controlled. I get a sense of the love and grace that is in God. Each day we need to marvel at the words of Father, of the Father, just in the parable. Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. I encourage you this week, there's that memory verse, nothing can separate us from the love of God, and that verse from the parable, you are always with me, all that is mine is yours. Wow. All that is mine is yours. You are always with me. We can take great comfort in that. Along the way this morning, I've been asking, where are you searching for love? Is a sense of community and belonging good? Absolutely. Is friendship good? Yes. Is career progression good? Is having a good social standing good? Absolutely. But it's not their foundation of who we are as people. The love and grace of God is the central point. That which eternally satisfies can only be found in Christ and received by grace. The younger son wanted what was his and sought love in the form of relationships, friendships and possessions. The eldest son thought it was good works. There's nothing we can do to stop God from loving us. I have a band to come back up. Where are you searching for love and grace this morning? Love and grace, it's only found in God. Just want to recap the three principles. God is love. God proved his love by giving of himself in Jesus. Christ set us free from sin through his death and resurrection. And the parable of the prodigal son shows us how Jesus viewed love and grace. One John four, thirteen to sixteen. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Saviour of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe that God, the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. A love and grace that satisfies is found in Christ. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we just thank You that through your son Jesus the love that satisfies is ours through your grace we thank you God that you never change you're the same yesterday today and forever Lord we just say thank you thank you for the work that Jesus did on the cross Jesus thank you for your death thank you for your resurrection thank you that through you we have forgiveness of sins thank you that through you we have eternal life you've deposited your spirit within us God and that your love is within us because we abide in you Jesus I thank you that through this parable that we've gone through this morning you've shown us 
there is nothing that we can do that will stop us from you loving us. Whether it be us turning our back or whether it even be through our attempt to to love you through our good works. God, I thank you that your love never changes and that you first loved us and sent your son Jesus for us to prove it. Lord, we just give you our lives today. Jesus' name. want to spend a moment just I've talked about the love and grace of God this morning and if there's someone here that has not received the love and grace of God today is a great opportunity we read about the youngest son that thought he could do better so he walked away we read about the eldest son who thought by his good works you could earn God's love. I want to say there's nothing we can do in our own self to earn God's love. But it's when we abide in Him. But if you've never received God's love, I'd love for you to, after we finish this song, if that's you and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, I'd love for you to come up and we'll pray with you. Today would be the greatest day you could do that and if you need prayer for anything else please come up after the song and love to pray with you the eldership team's here to pray with you and believe with you if not thanks for coming this morning i pray that your life has been enriched in some way this morning whether it be through the praise and worship through the message through the communion through the baby dedication that was great uh god bless thanks for coming this morning and uh we're going to sing this last song rach and uh see you again here tonight